Hey everyone, this is Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell coming to you with another episode of our Innovate That podcast brought to you by OCAST and the Oklahoma Business Roundtable. Please look both of those companies up. They do amazing work here in Oklahoma. Today we have Podchaser, co-creator and CEO of Podchaser, Bradley Davis, with us today. Podchaser.com. This is really cool. This is a website uh, for those people who are interested in all things podcasts, which is basically the entire country. Um, everybody that I know listens to some sort of podcast. I certainly do, as much as I drive around the state and country, for that matter. Dubbed the IMDB of podcasts, Podchaser is the site to visit to find anything and everything there is to know about podcasts. Uh, its crowdsourced format allows uh, users to review podcasts, create playlists, edit pages for content, and, and so much more. Uh, again, really cool, uh, innovative idea. Uh, And with us today, our guest is Bradley Davis. Um, Bradley was born in Florida, raised in Indiana, spent time in Louisville uh, before moving to Oklahoma. Once a door-to-door salesman, certainly have to to get those, uh, I'm sure those were just wonderful times being a door-to-door salesman, Bradley. Uh, The idea of Podchaser was born when he discovered there was no reliable rating system uh, for the many podcasts available for download. Uh, His unique story, uh, certainly a testament to the entrepreneurial spirit uh, in America today, and we're certainly really thrilled that uh, he has chosen Oklahoma. We'll kind of talk a little bit about that uh, as well. But Bradley, welcome to the Innovate That podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Uh, well, let's just get let's get right into it here. Um, tell us your story. I mean, how did you go from again a door to door salesman? What were you selling? Please tell us that uh, to the CEO of a, a tech startup. Uh, that's a great question, and, and I think there is some logic to that path. So I'll try to spell that out a little bit. So my, my background is actually in industrial sales. So I was selling uh, packaging for the auto industry in the Midwest, uh, around Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky. I was also selling electrical supply. Okay. So uh, lighting. Yep. Kinda like every time I go into a room, I look at the, got some fluorescent lighting yeah. in this room. Yeah. Um, so industrial grade LED lighting, yeah. rebates with the power companies. Yeah. Um, it's really about as boring as it sounds. And by nature of my job, I was driving every day for multiple hours. And my friend and co-founder of Podchaser was like, hey, you should really listen to podcasts. Yeah. I'm like, no, nah, like, yeah. sounds boring. Like, I, I listen to audiobooks or music. There, there doesn't seem to be a lot of good podcasts out there. I was very wrong. Um, I eventually took his advice, started listening to podcasts on the road. And I found myself wanting to go farther and farther away for a sales call. I'd purposely schedule things <laughs> five hours, six hours. That's funny. So I could listen to like the last episode of Serial. And yeah. This was kind of like right when podcasting was starting to pick up, okay. 2017, 2018. Okay. And after about, I don't know, 100, 200 hours of listening, I wanted more. I yeah. wanted more content. I wanted a reliable way to find a good episode or a good podcast. And so I went on the internet looking for... IMDb or Goodreads or TripAdvisor, yep. Yelp, these kind of crowdsourced services for media and for entertainment. And I found nothing for podcasting. And so that was surprising to me. And so in the middle of the night, one day I got on Reddit and I yep. posted on the podcast subreddit. 
It's like, hey guys, does this exist? Um, is there some sort of crowdsourced method for podcasting? Uh, does it exist? And if not, does anybody want to make it with me? Yeah. Which is a crazy thing. I don't sure. know why I thought to ask that question. I don't recommend finding co-founders this way, but it worked. Um, after I posted on Reddit, the thread kind of blew up. You can still look it up today. And that's where I found my co-founder, yeah. uh, who is in Melbourne, Australia. Nice. And I've never met him. <laughs> so that's, I love that's that. how it came to be. Yeah, that, that is uh, that's a true entrepreneurial uh, story right there. Uh, the, the world is flat, right? You, know, you can work with anybody anywhere in the world. Yeah. Uh, and this was pre-COVID. Yeah. And so it was actually, for many investors, it was a big question mark. Like, yeah. you've never met a co-founder. Um, you have no office. Like, these, these are risks. But now they're... Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 Good point. That's a yeah. good point. Uh, so who is the other co, I mean, again, you mentioned, uh, this, this, uh, this mystery man, uh, in Melbourne, Australia, who, who is it? And, 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 you know, how did you find someone else who, who wanted to create this platform? Yeah. So Ben Slinger is the Australian. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we actually had four co-founders. So my theory was I, I can't code. Ben can code, mm -hmm. and but I I can't really do anything. So I need to find smart people around me who can put together a website. Yeah. So basically, Ben recruited his brother-in-law, and he became our designer and a co-founder. And I recruited my best friend um, Cole, who yep. now lives in Honolulu. Okay. And Cole had experience in SaaS and marketplaces. Yeah, sure. And he was a sales guy. So that's we came out to four co-founders. Yeah. Uh, my advice, because a lot of people were, were really concerned about that. Yeah. It worked for me. Yeah. Um, we were able to go a longer period of time without raising capital because we were able to divide labor. Yes. And then we weren't stuck with hiring uh, key employees. We had we could run Pachis with the four of us yeah. forever. It wouldn't grow and it would be awful, but it's right. possible. So that's where Ben came from, from, from Reddit. And then we just kind of started recruiting. We probably We probably went through maybe... 10 potential co-founders before we got to that core group of four. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, it, so explain some of the uh, most popular features uh, of the site. Yeah, so really the the thing I'm kind of obsessed, obsessed with is recreating word of mouth mm -hmm. uh, with technology. Yeah, that's good. It's really tough. Um, there's these interesting kind of psychological elements when we look for content. Most people, when they want to go see a movie, they will Google the name of the movie and then immediately see the Rotten Tomatoes, the IMDb, and maybe Roger Ebert. And everybody has, depending on how snobby you are, you'll pick your number. Yeah. That doesn't exist for podcasting. And so one of the big things we do is ratings and reviews. Um, it's a five-star system. It looks very familiar. Yep. But what's interesting about that is we're able to then kind of pull, push these people up and make them tastemakers and people start kind of paying attention to their ratings and reviews. So ratings and reviews is a big portion of our website. The other big portion is credits, meaning on this episode, we are going to grab the RSS feed, we're going to parse it, and my name is going to pop up in the title of the episode, and then we will add a credit to this episode saying that I'm a guest and you're the host. So that seems very simple, basic, that did not exist before mm -hmm. Podchaser. That lets us have a really interesting kind of cross-section of discovery for podcasting. So now that I've been on this podcast, people are connected to me who have also been a guest on this podcast. And you may be interested in an interview with somebody else. So credits is another big piece of the site. Um, and then all of that is bundled up through 
a consumer-facing website, podchester.com. Yeah. And then we also license data like that to third parties through an API. Uh, your favorite genre of podcast? That was certainly one of the questions that I had. Um, I'd say probably serialized true crime. Ah, um, so yes. not episodic, but like okay. 10 episodes long, investing a lot of time. Yep. Slow burn. Yep. Those are very popular. They're uh, very popular. And, and I can understand why, yeah, it, would, it works really well with a podcast uh, uh, setup as well. Uh, yes. the, those slow burns, yes, the, those could work really well. So, to, you know, you, you mentioned a little bit of this. I mean, the, the struggles of being an entrepreneur for a site that didn't exist before you had the idea for it. I mean, the, some of the, the struggles there as an entrepreneur. Oh, man. Um, I've never done this before. I yeah. didn't know what VC stood for. <laughs> I was in Kentucky yeah. raising capital for a pre-revenue consumer-facing website. Wow. So that was hard. That yes. was nearly impossible. Um, and then just kind of figuring it all out. Like yeah. I went through multiple lawyers. I went through multiple accountants. There's a startup law and startup accounting is an art. <laughs> it's it's yep. a whole another section. So if you have a CPA, it doesn't mean you can really work with a startup. Right. You have to have somebody with domain, domain experience. So I just found myself uh, cold calling people and asking questions all the yes. time and Googling things and trying to just put everything together. So that... The entire process was excruciating. Yeah, yeah, it, it is excruciating. <laughs> yes. It sounds my my uh, wife and I went through the same thing when we started our business. But uh, so, and again, as as you mentioned, you mentioned the the uh, uh, the venture capital uh, part of this, trying to do that in a state like uh, Kentucky or really any state, it's hard. Um, every good startup does does need money. Um, and so, can you talk about your journey through the VC process and and what you learned? Because you know, there's so many people that you know listen to this podcast that are in this boat right now. You know, they've got an idea. Uh, they, they're not blessed enough to have the money to start it up themselves. And, and uh, any advice there? Yeah, I am not blessed enough to have any money or any, <laughs> any friends or family with, yeah. with money so that people always ask about the friends and family around. I'm like, I don't have any friends and family. You're going to give me $25,000. <laughs> so right. that never happened. Um, what I did was I, I did get a hold of kind of our, our chamber in Louisville Good. And uh, this is a success story here. And I asked, I asked her, Hey, um, I'm raising money. And she said, Bradley, maybe that's not the best idea. Maybe try Kickstarter. But uh, there is, uh, she named an organization, the Kentucky Enterprise Fund. Yeah. If you talk to them, um, you know, they do early stage checks and they usually match with private money. So I, I got connected with them. And then, you know, my, my biggest experience and takeaway was every single check that came into Podchaser was then one or two levels away from that very first conversation through warm introductions. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm a salesperson, so I did so much cold outreach mm-hmm. that usually resulted in zilch. Yeah. Uh, humans want that warm introduction. So they have that layer of trust. And yeah. so my first round of angels is a, one of the most hilarious cap tables you'll ever see. <laughs> one of the guys, uh, he had won the Derby that year okay. and I emailed him like, Hey, congrats. Where's the money? And so he mailed me a check for 50 grand to my house. Wow. And then I had just random anybody who had money. Yeah. Uh, We we did a safe, which I think was one of the earliest safes in the state of Kentucky. Okay. Um, So that that avoided us having to price the company. So it raised about half a million dollars with that very first round just through it's a sales process. Yeah. So, sure. uh, Hey, great to meet you. You're interested. I'm going to follow up with you now. 
until you tell me to shut up. Yes. Uh, I'm going to call your secretary. I'm yeah. going to, you know, I showed up to one guy's office and I, I you have to get to the no. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's crucial. So that I definitely learned that from sales. Uh, that's very impressive. So did you raise all of that in the state of Kentucky pretty much? It was about half Kentucky okay. and then the other half out of New York. Um, but the New York money came from kind of a syndicate Okay. from a guy who was from Louisville. Right. So that, right. that homegrown connection always helps. But there's always, yeah. So, I mean, you started again with, with, with the chamber. And again, I do, I like to hear that, you know, because we've got some some chambers that I lean on here in the state of Oklahoma as well. And f- birthed from that kind of mm-hmm. led to everything else. Yeah, I think I think every city has uh, super connectors. Yes. And once you find one, yeah. and, and once that person puts, puts, especially if they're an angel, they put the my first, my first check in was actually $10,000. Okay. And he told me, he's like, don't worry. I know it's not that much money, but once this is in, all the other checks will, will come in. And it, it was true. Interesting. So finding those super connectors and kind of super angels in the region is, is a crucial. Uh, how much money have you raised to date? Over $6 million. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Over how many years are we talking on that? Three years. Three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really impressive. It's wild. That is wild. Yeah. yeah. Is. That's wild. And again, I hope people listening say, you know, you, listen, the struggle is real, yes. uh, but but it is it is doable uh, if you're tenacious about it and 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 learn to sell too. You know, it, there might be some people out there that are natural salespeople, mm-hmm. uh, but you can learn how to do that as well. Absolutely. Uh, and there's a lot of books out there, you know, getting to the no or getting to the yes, and and uh, the 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 personal touch of it. Pick up a book on sales because anybody listening to this, you're, you're, we're going to need to know it. Yeah, I'd say I would credit probably around 90% of, of the fundraising success from storytelling. Mm. That's all it is. It's how do I convince somebody that this is a billion dollar opportunity yeah. uh, with a pre-revenue company with, they probably don't even know what podcasting means. It's right. just all about how, how can you yeah. convey. For me, I compared it to radio a lot and try to, you know, radio's huge. Podcasting is way better. It's going to be way bigger than radio. Yes. So like, this is how you can see the big blue sky. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. That's good. Uh, how many people do you currently employ? We have around 30 employees. Okay. Mm-hmm. And all over the place. Um, you know, you mentioned Everywhere. your the co-founders are all over the place. So I'm assuming these employees are all over the place as well. Yeah, we're in Australia, UK, Ghana, India, um, Florida, Oklahoma, yeah. Texas, and, everywhere. And, and again, you're based here in Oklahoma, which yep. we'll, we'll speak to that in a second. So, did, what, you know, that's a good question that that um, that I probably didn't have on my initial list. Do you feel like there's a an advantage that you have when you have employees that are all over the world like that? I mean, is that again? You said you're new to this, mm-hmm. um, but but having employees everywhere versus one central location. I mean, I guess there's just positives and negatives to it, but. You, has that helped kind of fast track this? Definitely. Um, for, for me, I'm able to access a global talent pool mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I can have, I can find a skill for 50 to $100,000 that costs $300,000 yeah. on the coast. So hmm. that kind of arbitrage of talent has been huge for us. So has it been <clears throat> hard to locate qualified uh, employees again, the way that you are? I mean, I guess being global, uh, you, you have a lot of, of people that you could get to pretty quickly when it comes to qualified. You're not looking to hire somebody just in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, I would say hiring is always a bit of a challenge getting, getting the perfect fit, especially, mm-hmm. especially for a startup where you're going to get under market rate generally. But I'd say if you're hiring remotely, 
now is the best time in the history of mankind yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. to ever yeah. do it uh, yeah. post COVID. So it's been, it's been great. We've hired some incredible people in the past six months. That's good. Um, so in, in your opinion, you know, how does I2E and, and Oklahoma's innovation pipeline, and we we're, we're talking again, you, you, the, your, your story and the, and the, uh, the VC side of this. And again, at, at one point you're in Kentucky, you know, in Oklahoma, you know, part of this podcast is talking about that innovation pipeline that we have in mm. Oklahoma. So a company like yours, if you were a local Oklahoma boy or girl, that, that you could get to the same chamber or eventually get an introduction to this innovation pipeline model that we have, you know, how does it compare with other states? Yeah, I think, I think it's great. I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, my, my problem was I just have so many disparate lanes of knowledge that I need to ingest. And so if you have a single pipeline that kind of connects all those dots, that has a lot of value. I really like the idea of, of state money flowing through startups as early as possible. Uh, Kentucky did a great job of doing that. Um, they wrote, you know, $50,000 check through uh, the Kentucky Enterprise Fund for Podchaser, and they matched private money. Uh, Indiana Indiana has a little bit of a different model where their a lot of their state money goes towards fund to funds, mm-hmm. which I think is actually better. Yeah. Um, because you're you're exist you're investing in existing entities that have that long track record of having deal flow. Right. So yeah, I think um, I two E and and uh, OCAST are awesome. Yeah. I, I think it's great when when this, the third party uh, can can look at the whole pie and figure out how to connect all the dots that it just saves time and, and increases efficiency for, you know, the, the whole point of all this is to get behind unicorns yeah. um, and have big, big home runs. It, Indianapolis is the best example of this. They yeah. had the exact target exit to Salesforce. Now there's Salesforce tower. There's thousands of people employed there. Yeah. And that's one of the best B2B SaaS startup environments in the world. Yeah through one exit. Yeah. It's all to one, one, just one. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, it is kind of the, the, the full buffet or the full pie, as mm-hmm. you, as you said, with, uh, with this innovation pipeline model that we have. And, uh, we're looking for that, that, uh, big Salesforce win here too. Um, so why did you relocate your company to Oklahoma? Um, it's a great question. So I have always been attracted to mid-sized cities. Yep. Uh, Louisville's got a lot of great stuff going for yeah. it. Uh, I also looked at kind of the the migratory patterns uh, post COVID. So my wife and I were in Louisville, and we just kind of started talking one day, like, "Let's move." Yeah. And so uh, my sister lives here. Okay, she has always encouraged me to come visit. I, yeah. I honestly was like, I'm not quite sure what there is in Oklahoma, but yeah. whatever. Uh, and after visiting here, I was like shocked yes. at how cool it is. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah. I just had some family over the weekend, showed them the Plaza District and yeah. Paseo and uh, the lake. And like, it's just, it's a yeah. beautiful city. And there's, there's not, there's so much here that you can't even pack it in like a two yeah. day period. So yeah. I also saw the uh, population growth. And, you know, if I'm going to invest in, in real estate or invest in a city with real assets, I wanted to do that in some, in a place that's growing. Um, Oklahoma City, I think, is doubling the national average for growth. Yeah. So that's exciting to me. Yeah. Um, so we visited a few times and and uh, decided let's let's move here. Yeah. And I've, so far, even though we had the October freeze, the yes. Siberian winter, uh, and the pandemic, <laughs> yes, it's yeah. it's so far been wonderful. Yeah. Well, it, there's a reason our our new tagline is "Imagine That." Mm. Um, uh, because when we can get people to Oklahoma, we sell very well. Yes, uh, and uh, we want 
people, young and old, to be able to imagine a state that uh, invests in the next generation, uh, where the quality of life is amazing, but it's also a, a, an affordable uh, place to live. And those, that's Oklahoma. Yes. Um, and, and you're right. Oklahoma City, I, I truly believe, is um, it's prime time right now for Oklahoma City to, to capitalize on people relocating and remote workers and, and businesses looking to get out of anti-business states. Um, so it, it's really cool to hear to hear that story. I think also the MAPS program was so impressive because yes. I always talk about these little districts and people are like, you should have seen that 10 years ago. That's right. It was rough. And that's now, right. now it's beautiful. So that's been impressive to me. And there's just this kind of palpable excitement from young people. Yeah. Uh, most most places I've lived in mid-sized cities, when you get with a, a young person and, and talk about the city, it's usually, here's the top 10 things I hate about yeah. the city. But here it's... I'm from here, or I just moved here, and I love it. Yeah, that's that's exciting. Yeah, no, it's 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 very exciting, and and it's a city that invests in themselves. Mm. And anyone looking to relocate that's smart is going to be asking, hey, is this a city that's investing in their own community, uh, building quality of life things that uh, employees demand? Right. So, kind of really answer this question: Why are you continuing to stay in Oklahoma? I guess you know, again, your your business is here. Uh, how is that doing with you after relocating to Oklahoma? It's great. Um, I've I've found so many cool founders and, and business owners here in such a short amount of time. It's really interesting to think about millennials and where they live um, and how there's no longer really a single city lifestyle. Yes. Um, so the way I view Oklahoma City for me is this is my home base, but it also has a great airport. Yep. And I can go to Colorado if I really need to see the mountains or I can go down to Southeast Oklahoma or whatever. Yep. And so that's how I'm viewing it is I can have a beautiful, massive house for no money yep. here, Yes. Uh, raise a family and be around uh, a state and a city with, with incredible family values. Yeah. Every business owner I've met here has 12 kids, which yeah. is very <laughs> unique, but yeah. I guess very yeah. Oklahoma. Yes. And yes. so this is my base. And then um, I, if I really want to see a mountain, yeah. I don't need to, pay a million dollars for a thousand no. square foot house there and no. just visit. That's <laughs> so. right. That's right. Well, yeah. we only have four kids, but, uh, and we're done <laughs> hey, and we're awesome. done. Yeah. But the governor has six. So I guess we have that's a basketball great. team between yeah. the two of us. I love it. Uh, it, what is, so, you know, you talked about a lot of the good things that we're doing, you know, what is something that we could improve on? I mean, with, with our, you know, our startup community, entrepreneurial, uh, uh, community that we have here, continuing to invest in entrepreneurs, mm. startups, accelerators. What, 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 is there something that, that, uh, we do need to tap into. I think that, and I think this is happening. Somebody needs to create a database uh-huh. for all the startups mm-hmm. and their stage of funding, their number of employees, their sector. Um, same for investors. I, I, I hear that is happening. So that's exciting. I think the early stage pipeline is being developed still. And in my opinion, which I think this is fairly new, I think there's excess capital here. Uh, and, and, uh, not enough deals. Yes. And so I think it's a chicken and egg problem. And for, yeah. for such a long time, it was the opposite. There yeah. wasn't enough, enough capital for the businesses. Once the capital's here, the, the deals will come. And I also think with the, with the emerging funds like uh, Cortado and oh, yeah. uh, Victorum and yep. uh, Atento, that competition is awesome. Yeah. So I think, I think that the early stage deals are going to start coming because that's, that's the hard part. Yes. Giving the entrepreneur who has a great idea but maybe doesn't really know what they're doing, $50,000. Yeah. And seeing, yeah. giving them six months of, of breathing room. 
so that they have some comfort in quitting their corporate job. Yeah. That's tough. But I think, I think all the things are moving in the right direction. That's good. That's good to hear. And, and uh, you're right. It's prime time for Oklahoma. Yes. Uh, because yet yeah, 10 years ago, I, I wouldn't be able to mention some of those companies or like the Thunder Launchpad, what Erica Lucas is doing. Yep. I mean, you know, they get it and they've been talking about deal flow and 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 why we we need to uh, start talking about it on a daily basis, not just, you know, when someone rolls into town like, you know, Steve Case or, or someone like that. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I love what he's doing. And they he's, passed on me. So they, they, oh, did they really? <laughs> yeah. You know, he was supposed to bring his bus tour here uh, and then COVID hit. Mm. Uh, so uh, the but but it is true. The rise of the rest. It is real yes. uh, that there's just as many amazing entrepreneurs in the middle of the country. Uh, and, and, and the valuations aren't stupid, uh, like they are on the coast sometimes. And so that rise of the rest is happening. And if, and if we don't take advantage of it in Oklahoma city, then yeah, someone in Indianapolis or Kentucky is going to take advantage of it. And so I love to see that, uh, our communities here in Oklahoma city and around the state, um, are aggressive Hmm. and are getting more tenacious about that. Last question here. What, what advice would you give to young entrepreneurs such as yourself? What I keep going back to is I don't know anything. Um, so staying extremely humble, uh, always is great. Cause it's tempting to be like, Oh yeah, I know what I'm doing, but you, you don't, uh, I mean, once you pass certain revenue threshold or whatever, there's, there's still Apple. Apple has more money than multiple countries combined. Like yeah. there's always going to be someone doing much more, more innovative, smarter, faster. And that's encouraging because you can learn from those people. And so, um, I think that's something that has been helpful for me is just to always be aspiring to, to learn more. I think too, if I can raise money for Podchaser, whoever's listening to this can raise money for pretty much anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you, if yeah. you, if you frame things the right way and your storytelling is good and your pitch deck is okay. Um, it, it, the capital certainly is there. I'm not saying it's easy by any means. It's not, but to me, you know, with Podchaser, there are times where I was in tears. This is never going to work. And you have to really kind of lie to yourself. Um, You have to be a little irrational and crazy. But if you push through that and if you just go through to the next stage, so so many um, seed stage startups fail just because they give up or or run out of capital. So if you can just push through those challenges, then you can do anything. Yeah, you can do anything. Uh, Bradley Davis, thank you for this. This was uh, this was inspiring, uh, and again, we're we're very blessed and and uh, very happy that you are in Oklahoma. Uh, we hope you continue to thrive here and uh, uh, be one of our best ambassadors now moving forward of why people should be living in Oklahoma. Uh, go to podchaser.com. please go there uh, for all things podcasts. Uh, and again, we appreciate those listening. Uh, to the Innovate That podcast, again, brought to you by OCAST in partnership with the Oklahoma Business Roundtable. Uh, If you like the show, please post a review, uh, hit that like button or subscribe button. Uh, We're located almost anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. And thank you for joining us. Uh, Make sure to tune in next time to the Innovate That podcast.